This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. Welcome. I'm Rob Gerth, Director of Marketing and Communications for Lehigh University's College of Business. And today we're talking with Georgette Chapman Phillips, the Kevin L. and Lisa A. Clayton Dean of the College of Business at Lehigh. Dean Phillips' research and teaching is focused on the intersection of law, economics, and public policy. She has published in the areas of urban and regional planning, local government law, real estate, and housing. She also has a law degree from Harvard Law School. Welcome back, Georgette. Thank you. (laughs) Now, today we're talking about women in business. And two weeks and seven years ago (laughs) from the day that we recorded this, you actually became the first female dean of the College of Business here at Lehigh. That must have been pretty exciting. Uh, it was. It, it was um, one of my career highlights. I, I love this job, and I really enjoyed these seven years and two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's especially relevant to our topic because this year, Lehigh is marking 50 years of undergraduate co-education. Is there any certain type of pressure that comes from being the first woman anything? I would have to say Yes. Because on the one hand, people are pinning their expectations on you, whether you have agreed to to accept that invitation. And on the other hand, there are people that are going to be quite skeptical of who you are because you're a woman. My answer to this is that excellence wills out, that doing your job and doing your job well is the answer to both sides of the equation. But yes, you know, you you are under a, a, a little bit more scrutiny as being the first anything, um, the first African-American, the first woman. But it's been, like I said, it's been really great being the dean here at Lehigh Business. Yeah, it's funny. You don't really hear, like, except for the first man on the moon, you don't really hear about the first man doing this or the first man doing that. The, the other day, as we taped this, um, you know, there was uh, Virgin Galactic went into space and right. they didn't say that he was the first man uh, to do this kind of thing. He was just the first billionaire, actually, is what they said. Right. So it's, it's, all, it's all about the default. Where does the default lie? If it has always been men, they don't say first man. There are some times where it is the first man in situations where it has always been a woman mm. that has held the job. But those instances are much, much more rare than the first woman holding any kind of position after a series of men. And you probably have a lot of good stories. But one that I know is I found an article from about six years ago that that said that you on more than one occasion answered your phone and the caller thought you were George Phillips's secretary. Hopefully things have changed since then for you. A bit, a bit. Um, it's it's always because my, my name can be truncated into a male name. And sometimes people just don't look at the last part, the feminization of the name, and they assume that I'm George Phillips's secretary, you know, having never met me. And I just say, no, no, actually, George is my grandfather. Um, so what do you need? <laughs> And I must say, things things have changed. It might be that I'm no longer new in the job. Right. Okay. Um, but yes, thankfully, things have changed. 
And then before you became an academic, you worked at a couple of law firms. Uh, were you at that time one of only a few women? And, and what was it like? That was a very different and special place in time. Wall Street in the 1980s was a very go-go place. It was, boy, I don't really like this term, but I can't really think of another better term. It was a very macho environment. Mm, Yeah, perfect. It was, you know, who can work longer, harder, um, build more hours. And sometimes you just have to take a step back from that and say, no, I'm not, I'm going, not going to be in your macho race. I'm going to do what I need to do to do my job in the excellent manner that you expect. But I do not need to, uh, as I said in that uh, Saturday Night Live skit from many years ago, quien es más macho? I don't don't have to do that. (laughs) Now, let's talk about education for a second then. Over the years, there's been an uptick in women in undergraduate and MBA programs. In fact, some programs are now 50-50. What do you attribute that to? Well, two very important factors. One is simply the passage of time. And the second is a concerted effort. When you are in high school, let's talk about the undergraduates for just a moment. When you are in high school and you're thinking about going to college, many people do not know that you can get an undergraduate business degree. Why? Because in high school, you don't study business. You study chemistry or English or history or science, but you probably are not studying undergraduate business. And so you don't know that this is a possibility. So it's on us. It's it's our responsibility, those of us who have undergraduate business programs, to tell young women, yes, yes, this is a possibility. The concerted effort comes in that there are more women now that we can point to and say, this is a woman who studied accounting, or this is a woman who studied finance, and it brings it closer to them. This is especially true for MBAs. There are many groups that have it as their mission, for example, the Forte Foundation, to build the pipeline of women getting their MBAs. But you can't build that in a day. You have to, as I was saying before, with the passage of time, seed the ground, make it more fertile to allow women to see this as a career path for them. So it's, again, a combination of passage of time. There are just more women available. And secondly, the concerted effort that we're making on both the undergraduate and the graduate side. So I I assume from what you just said that you do feel that business colleges in general have a responsibility to support women. Oh, absolutely. Because I think that we have the responsibility to support a whole host of different people, Mm -hmm. whether it be people that are coming from um, lesser served communities, whether it are people that are coming from rural communities, this is something that's near and dear to my heart, that there's a lot of things that you miss if you don't grow up in a city. But we also have the responsibility to say to women, this is how you can make your mark. This is how you can blaze your career path using tools that you perhaps didn't consider before, finance, accounting, marketing, management, 
uh, data analysis, supply chain, you know, all of the things that we teach you as an undergraduate. And then on the MBA side, this is how you can lead because MBA, getting an MBA is all about leadership. How are you going to lead your enterprise, the world, the nonprofit world, whatever it is? That's what an MBA is about. And for the employer, what do you think their responsibility is, particularly towards women, to support them? Well, first is to create an inclusive um, environment. I mean, that, that's number one, that a woman competes on her own steam without being held back. But the second thing is to open up opportunities, open up eyes that if you see a woman who is has a particular skill that's there, that the light is being shown upon them, to bring that out, to suggest women for career advancement, for MBA programs, for any kind of career progression that they might not know exists. So part of it, I guess, is the culture. So you're talking about the culture in the workplace, I guess, right, right. And, and changes. So what, what changes have you seen for, for women in particular uh, in the culture in the workplace over your, your career? Oh, <laughs> how do I start? How do I start? You know, sometimes I feel very old and then I <laughs> realize I'm not that old um, because it was a very different world. It was an extraordinarily different world um, when I was was in the place of young undergraduates or our, our young MBAs that are coming out now that they are assumed to be competent. They are assumed to have a place in the employment that they have chosen. And it's really the attitude of you're no longer an aberration, you're the norm. And we were talking about norming before when we were saying the first woman to do this. And I think that because so many women have now paved the path for these young women coming into, into the business world, they're not seen as an aberration. And they are able to compete on the basis of their skill and their ability. That's probably the, the biggest change that I've seen. And that men have recognized this, that, that perhaps it wasn't always that way and have worked very hard to make it that way now. You know, the level of, of just overt sexism has diminished logarithmically. I, again, sometimes I feel very old. As you and I were talking earlier, there, were, there was a time when a female teacher, when she started, her pregnancy started to show, she had to quit. And, you know, when I was coming up, I thought, how could that have possibly been? Well, there are stories that I can tell that I'm sure some women that are coming into the workforce today will say, well, how could that possibly have been? Yeah, it, it was very different when you have to explain that, no, that kind of behavior will not be tolerated both in the office place and in social events. So yeah, there's been big changes and it's a good thing. Yeah. I was talking to one of the, um, one of our professors who was, uh, it, it was around in the seventies and was saying that one of the things she ran up against 
was that the faculty wanted to change when the faculty meeting was. They wanted to move it early in the morning. This was in the 70s. And she was like, yeah, I was the only one that had childcare problems. So right. I, I had to go to them and go, you know, you can't just do that if you want me to show up at the meeting. We are actually changing the times of our faculty meetings. One thing that we learned through COVID was you get a lot more attendance at faculty meetings when people don't have conf conflicts. And so our faculty meetings historically have been very late in the afternoon. And anybody that's had to do childcare pickup, you know the monetary difference between 5.55 and 6.05. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, you know, and I, I, I should have realized this before, but COVID really brought it to forefront. We're moving these, these meetings earlier in the day so that nobody, men or women, have to make that mad dash to, to preschool pickup that, uh, that we all have done. <laughs> <laughs> the Bureau of Labor Statistics says that in 2019, women made up the majority of the American financial services workforce, yet less than a quarter of them were senior leadership. Yeah. Is there is there any way to reach any kind of gender parity? So there's more women in the workplace. There's more women taking MBAs, yeah. but they're still yeah. not getting that that over over the hump of that last leadership position. It's a pipeline issue, right? And it's a leaky pipeline issue, right? I had a great conversation with um, one of our alums who, in her time, led one of the major accounting firms. And she worked very hard to change the workplace in such a way that women did not drop out. You know, the leaky pipeline issue she saw as one of her mandates to fix. And until you stop those leaks, you, you stop women from dropping out of the workforce just at the time that they start becoming middle managers, which then leads to senior managers. If we can stop that leak, we're going to get a lot more women at the top. And I, I tell young women, much to their chagrin, that until men start having babies, hmm. it's never going to be equal. It's, mm -hmm. it's just not. And you cannot expect, you cannot expect that it is going to be equal. So what do you, young women, what do you have to do to make sure that you at least stay on track during the young childbearing years. Some women have chosen not to have children. I didn't make that choice. Having, having children was very, very important to me. But I saw that it was also important for me to raise those children, not just you know, leave them with the nanny and run off to work. And right. so I changed careers. I didn't drop out. I changed careers. And that's we really have to start thinking about what do we need to do to maintain the pipeline? Because then when it's time to jump back up, I didn't have to retool. Mm -hmm. So it takes creative thinking. We can't just keep doing it the same old way and expect different results. We have to think creatively on how to stop the leaky pipeline and keep women in the pool. Well, I guess that's sort of the same problem that goes with another statistic, another study that shows that true representation in the boardroom is still decades away. Yeah, you know, board positions are 
not easy to get. A lot of it is word of mouth. A lot of it is who do you know that can recommend you? There are big pushes now, especially in California, which just mandated a minimum number of women in public boards. There are big pushes now to get women in the corporate boardroom because until the voice is there, it's not going to be heard. And that's, that's so very important. I mean, do you ever see a decision that a company has made and you ask yourself, who was in the boardroom when they made that decision? <laughs> like, really, who was there? Because I cannot imagine that that was an inclusive boardroom. Well, that's what we, we need to be striving toward. Some countries have a laws that yes, say like there has France. to be a certain, mm-hmm. yeah, that has to be a certain percentage of women in the, in, on a board. Right. Because there is the diverse voices are very, very important. It's not just a woman for woman's sake or an African-American or a Latinx or an Asian-American or someone who LGBTQ, you know, all of these are really important voices that need to be heard. And it's on the shoulders of the board recruitment committees to find those diverse, distinct voices. Where do you think women in business are being pioneers right now? Everywhere, everywhere. (laughs) And I think that's fantastic. That is wonderful because the one thing that I don't want to be is pigeonholed. You know, my specialty is real estate. And that is not exactly like the the most quote unquote feminine. I love real estate. I love digging the dirt. I got to to knock down, um, we're building a new (laughs) building and I I proudly got on the the big machinery. It was great. It was wonderful. And so I, I, I am happy that women are in pioneers in finance, accounting, not for profit, everything that you can think of there are women that are taking that step and leading in those areas. And that's what I think we have to do. You know, it all goes back to, again, that discussion of how we start started. It's the norming. This is not an aberration. This is just how it is. And if we narrow women to pioneering in this or pioneering in that, then it's still kind of an aberration. Now, across the board, and I think that's great. Do you see any trends that are, are in a positive way for women going forward right now? I am constantly amazed at the young women that I meet that are coming through Lehigh. What an incredibly talented group of women. I mean, the men are talented too, but we're talking about specifically women. And the, the trend that I see and that I love is how assertive and forthright they are. They don't step back, they don't cower back, they don't wait to be asked, they just get out there. And you didn't see that 25 years ago. You would have a woman here, a woman there that would be out in the forefront. If it was somebody like me, I've been called mouthy, I've been called um, (laughs) too forward, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, I don't care, that's just me. Yeah, as I told a group of young women um, in one of our women in business seminars, there are no masculine traits. There are no feminine traits. There are your traits Mm. and you be you. 
And that means being bossy, assertive, forthright, you know, whatever positive or negative connotation you want to put on it, then you be you. And don't don't fall into the the gender-based stereotypes of how you have to act. And so I love it that these women are, they're all that and more. And is there anything you'd you'd like to see in the in the next 50 years? Uh, some development that you don't you're not seeing now or well, I don't know about 50 years. That's a bit long to, to prognosticate. But I, I am somewhat concerned about a trend that I'm seeing in little bits. As I said, I'm, I'm not seeing it widespread. But I am somewhat troubled about how some young women have forgotten the battles that were fought and won by people my age or even people a little bit older than I am, that they see the world as a gender neutral world. And it's not, I mean, again, until men start having babies, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just not going to be a gender neutral world. It should be an equal opportunity world, but it's never going to be a gender neutral world. And I cringe, cringe when I hear a woman tell me that she's not a feminist. And I say, but why? That first of all, that's not a dirty word. I, that's a woman that I am, word that I am absolutely proud to say, I am a feminist because I believe in the value of equality of women. And to say that you're not a feminist is to erase the gains that women before you have made under the banner of feminism. So that does trouble me a bit, but then it's counterbalanced by all of the, the wonderful women that I see that are, are shattering barriers and just really hitting it out of the park. So I love that. Thanks, Georgia. That's a, a great place to end it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This is fun and go Lehigh, 50 years of co-education for the undergraduates. I've been talking with Dean Georgette Chapman Phillips. She is a professor in both the Perella Department of Finance in the College of Business and in the Africana Studies Program in the College of Arts and Sciences here at Lehigh. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh business thought leaders, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu news. Follow us on Twitter at Lehigh Business. I'm Rob Gerth. Thanks for listening. <laughs>